Matthew chapter 5 tonight, the, the gospel of Matthew in chapter number 5. Matthew chapter 5. You know, you get to reading some of that stuff and some of those apps and even Facebook, it's pretty evident that there are a lot of Christian folks that live a double life. They got their church life and the way they are when they sit in the church house and then that life that they live outside of the church house. It's just true. It's just true. I'm telling you, God just burdened me about it, truly. So, anyway, well, who are you pointing fingers at in here? Do you see me pointing any fingers in here? I'm not pointing any fingers in here. If your telephone's ringing, pick it up. That's all I know to tell you. It's just really, there's just some things that professing Christians shouldn't partake of. It's just a, it's just a fact. Anyway, anyway. Matthew chapter 5, verse number 4. Here in the Beatitudes, Jesus says this, Blessed are they that mourn, for they shall be comforted. Let's pray and we'll get going. Heavenly Father, thank you, Lord, for the good crowd that's out on this Sunday night. I'm thankful for the faithful. I'm thankful for those that are watching by live stream that can't get out of their house. I'm thankful for the faithful in that way also. And Lord, we just need your help tonight. I just need your help to preach. Certainly, that's true. Clarity of thought and speech and everything I need to preach this message the way you'd have it done. I I just pray for liberty. Uh, Your Bible says where the Spirit of the Lord is, there's liberty. We pray for that liberty tonight to preach in such a manner that it will reach the hearts of believers. Lord, I, I just pray you'd use your word tonight. Um do a work that only you can take credit for. We pray and thank you for your goodness in Jesus' name. Amen and amen. Thank you so much, Sam. Please do be seated. After reading verse 4, somebody might say, now wait, 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 preacher, wait, 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 wait. Being sorrowful and grieving is going to make me blessed. Uh, are, are you sure about this? Because, I mean, it, it, that just don't sound right. I mean, it, that makes no sense whatsoever that I would be blessed by mourning. And uh, really, at first glance, it doesn't make a lot of sense to think that we're going to experience blessedness or happiness because of mourning. In fact, if you were to ask a dozen different people out on the street what it would take for them to be blessed, you'd probably hear things like, well, you know, if I could just, if I could just, if I could just do anything that I please, or if I was famous, I'd probably be blessed. Or if I could just go on perpetual vacation, you know, vacation after vacation after vacation, that, I mean, that'd be great. Or if I had more money than I could ever, ever spend, I, I, I would count that as blessedness. Or, or doing things that will bring me pleasure over and again, I mean, that would be good. And others might venture to say, um, to be blessed, well... If I wasn't, if I, if I wasn't, 
it, if I wasn't in trouble all the time, well, I tell you, I, 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 that would be a blessing. Or if I didn't feel disappointed on a regular basis, or if I didn't just have so many hardships in my life, or if I wasn't frustrated at life all the time, or, or if I didn't have to endure this pain that I have in my body, or, or the avoidance of other problems that come about in life, that then I would feel blessed. So I'm saying the natural conclusion with those answers in mind would be that positive things in life bring blessedness and negative things in life explain the lack of blessing. I think that we're, that's where we've come to. <clears throat> so if you went out and asked the question to the people, do positive things in your life make you feel blessed and do negative things in your life keep you from being blessed? Most people would say, oh yeah, that sounds about right. Yeah, that's yeah, I think that makes sense. But since Jesus is the one that said, Blessed are they that mourn, for they shall be comforted, maybe we should do our best to find out exactly what he meant by that statement, don't you think? Help us along the way. Some of the things that we go through in this life, we go through because a loving, caring, wonderful Heavenly Father is working in us for our good. We know that's true. We know that is absolutely right. And some of the things that we sorrow over in this life are definitely brought about by our own decisions that are influenced by our, by our own sinful flesh and our own desire to fulfill the lust of the flesh. And so we have to suffer some things when we allow that to happen. Uh, those that have sorrow and grieving and mourning, which is caused by pursuing those lusts of their sinful nature, are not the ones that's going to receive God's blessing. That's not what it's talking about at all. Um, King David's son, Amnon, he fell sick because he was so vexed by his illicit lust for his half-sister, Tamar. And that grief was caused by unfulfilled lust. God's not going to comfort that type of mourning. He mourned over that, but God's not going to comfort that type of mourning. Then there are those that have legitimate reasons uh, to mourn. But they take it to illegitimate lengths. What do you mean, preacher? Well, when someone continues to grieve so long and so hard after losing someone they love that it causes them to not be able to maintain a normal day-to-day -day routine, then, then that sorrow has become destructive and really is, is very sinful. Uh, depression uh, such as that is caused many, many times by just selfishness and guilt in someone's life. And for a Christian, really, it marks a lack of faith. It marks a lack of trusting in God. Because that's, that's the way that David mourned over Absalom. Uh, we're talking about his own rebel son that had driven the father out of Jerusalem so that he could take over the palace. And David's mourning over Absalom's death was caused by his own guilt for not being the father that he should have been. And truly it was a part of God's judgment for the adulterous affair that David had with Bathsheba. The, the mourning that David exhibited was not normal. Uh, oh, the love that David had for his son, it was very understandable. But the judgment that Absalom faced, well, it was really well deserved for what he had done. Then there are those whose sorrows are common to all of us who live in this world. Those sorrows for which a reasonable amount of mourning really is expected. I mean, grief is a normal outlet. There, there's got to be a time of grieving over different things and allowing for a proper grieving time is healthy. And it can be very healing if it's not taken to the extreme, as I said just a moment ago. And a lot of time we learn more, we learn more from hardships 
than we do from an easy life. Uh, I, you know I'm not a poem guy, and you probably heard this poem before. It says this, I walked a mile with pleasure, she tatted all the way, but left me none the wiser for all she had to say. I walked a mile with sorrow, a narrow word said she, but oh, the things I learned from her when sorrow walked with me. And it really is true that in times of sorrow, we can learn some good lessons, we can learn some good things along the way. We know that Abraham mourned over Sarah's death because he missed his wife. Uh, Jeremiah wept over the sins of Israel and her impending judgment that was coming. Uh, Paul wept over the people of, in the city of Ephesus because of their spiritual condition. You think about the father of the demon-possessed boy that wept over his son's condition as he cried out to Jesus, Lord, I believe, help thou my unbelief. A repentant woman mourned and wept as she anointed Jesus' feet. Uh, and washed uh, with ointment and washed his feet with her tears, wiping them with her hair. And there were those there that thought pretty highly of themselves and were upset about what this woman was doing. But Jesus said, Wherefore I say unto thee, her sins which are many are forgiven, for she loved much, but to whom little is forgiven, the same loveth little. And that really brings us to the godly mourning that we're looking at tonight. Blessed are they that mourn, for they shall be comforted. <clears throat> See, godly sorrow makes a difference. Godly sorrow. 2 Corinthians chapter 7, verse 10 says this, For godly sorrow worketh repentance to salvation, not to be repented of, but the sorrow of the world worketh death. For behold, this selfsame thing that ye saw it after a godly sort, what carefulness is wrought in you, yea, what clearing of yourself, yea, what indignation, yea, what fear, yea, what vehement desire, yea, what zeal, yea, what revenge. In all things ye have approved yourselves to be clear in this matter. For godly sorrow worketh repentance. We're talking about more than just being remorseful. We're talking about godly sorrow. And this has to do with our attitude towards sin. I think we can all agree that it will be best to learn from Jesus our, what our attitude towards sin should be instead of just handling sin the way that the world does because they handle it completely different. Really, they handle it in three different ways. Uh, denial. Say, well, nobody's perfect, preacher. It's not like, you know, I know, I know, but, you know, everybody, you know, but nobody's perfect. Well, I understand that. We're sinners saved by grace, but we can't be in denial when we sin against God. And then there's a blame. You know, the old thing, well, don't judge me. Don't, don't you judge me. I mean, one of the most misinterpreted things in the whole Bible. Well, you're not supposed to judge. You're a Christian. You're not supposed to judge. Oh, no, that's wrong. We are supposed to judge. No, no, Jesus himself teaches that we are supposed to judge with righteous judgment. Well, no, no, no. It means that what, what, is, what I'm talking about there is that if somebody is doing wrong according to the Bible, it's not wrong to say you're doing wrong. Righteous judgment. I'm not talking about running around trying to find out about everybody's sins. No, 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 no. I'm just, no, young people, look at me. I, I'm telling you, we have to get to a place where we realize that people aren't living the way that they're supposed to, that we can try to help them to turn and live the way that they're supposed to do with the right attitude and the right spirit. But otherwise, if they're not going to do that, it's probably best that you kind of distance yourself that way and judge with righteous judgment. I don't need this in my life. I don't need the influence. I don't need that direction, whatever the case may be. 
I'm telling you, there's times we have to judge with righteous judgment. That it, that's exactly what Jesus taught us. But denial, blame, and then ignore it. The, most of the world just ignores sin today. So what? Big deal. Well, the Bible says that sin. Oh, I know what the Bible says, but good grief. You know, it's an old book. Not a big deal. You know, it's just the way that I am. It's the way that I live. Just get off my back. and It's not a big deal. Just leave me alone. So what? So I'm sinning. Big deal. What the? And that's the way the world handles those things. Those that do handle their sin in any of those ways really do not understand the blessedness that Jesus is, is, is talking about in, in the, in, here where we're, we're at tonight. Really, we believers as God's children must be ready to admit that we do sin and that God has a way that we deal with it all. I said God has a way that we're supposed to deal with it all. First John chapter 1 verse 6 says, if we say that we have fellowship with him, with God, and walk in darkness, we lie and do not the truth. But if we walk in the light as he is in the light, we have fellowship one with another. And the blood of Jesus Christ, his son, cleanses us from all sin. If we say that we have no sin, we deceive ourselves and the truth is not in us. If we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. If we say that we have not sinned, we make him that be God a liar and his word is not in us. But it goes on in chapter 2. My little children, these things write I unto you that ye sin not. And if any man sin, stay with me here. If any man sin, we have an advocate with the Father, Jesus Christ the righteous. And he is the propitiation for our sins and not for ours only, but also for the sins of the whole world. And so we can't deny that we're sinners. We can't deny that we sin. We can't deny that we have sin in our life and that we sin at times. It's just wrong. If we say, you know, well, I'm not a sinner. It says right there, we make God a liar. That's absolutely, and who wants to try to make God a liar? There's no way, shape or form, we're ever going to make God a liar. But it goes on there again in, in chapter number two, the part of that letter. My little children, these things write we unto you that ye sin not, that ye sin not. But and it goes on. I love it. <clears throat> and if any man sin, we have an advocate, advocate with the Father, uh, uh, Jesus Christ the righteous. You know, the great, thing, the great thing about being saved by the grace of God and, uh, and still being a sinner is that we have an advocate, the Lord Jesus Christ. And there is a right way to handle sin in our life. There's a right way to handle sin. And it's not, and I don't want to get ahead of myself. I want to try to keep rolling here. I realize it's Sunday night. Everybody's tired. And they got the meat locker going over there. So anyway, we have to realize that we are supposed to handle things the way that God says to handle things. Well, how come preacher? Because God wants us to be blessed. He wants us to be blessed. He wants our family to be blessed. He wants our church to be blessed. He wants us to be blessed. But our sin keeps us from his blessedness. Isaiah 59, 1 and 2, Behold, the Lord's hand is not shortened that it cannot save, neither is ear heavy that it cannot hear. But your iniquities have separated between you and your God, and your sins have hid his face from you that he will not hear. So it's not like God does not know that we have a tendency to sin. He knows we have a tendency to sin. Psalm 103 verse uh, 14 says, he knoweth our frame. He remembereth that we are dust. He remembers that. He knows that. But that does not make it okay in the eyes of God to sin. It's not as though, but at the same time, it's not as though that our sin catches him by surprise. It doesn't catch him by surprise. In fact, God in his great grace and mercy has made a way by which we can deal with our sin, but we have to, please listen, we have to do it his way. And here's what God expects. Excuse me, Isaiah 57 verse 15. 
For thus saith the high and lofty one that inhabiteth in eternity, whose name is holy. I dwell in the high and holy place with him also that is of a contrite and humble spirit. To revive the spirit of the humble, to revive the heart of the contrite ones. Psalms, uh, Isaiah 66 verse 2 says this, For all those things hath my hand made, and all those things have been, saith the Lord. But to this man will I look, even to him that is poor and of a contrite spirit, and trembleth at my word. Now, there are nine different uh, Greek words in the New Testament that speak of mourning. And uh, that alone tells us that sorrow is something that is common to man. And we know that there have been stories of, of sorrow all down through the history, for sure. <clears throat> Excuse me. The word used here for mourn, blessed are they that mourn, is, is pentheo. And I, I don't, that's a Greek word. I don't know if I'm saying it right. But it's the strongest of them all. It's the strong, no, no, it's the strongest of them all concerning a word mourn. It's the strongest of them all. Uh, what do you mean, preacher? It, it speaks of the deepest, most heartfelt grief. And, and it's reserved mostly, the, the word is reserved mostly for the death of a loved one. So it speaks of an inner agony. Are y'all still with me here? And then where we read there in, in Isaiah, the word contrite means to allow oneself to be crushed or to be shattered or, or to be broken. So what do you think that we as followers of Jesus, as his disciples, are to be crushed about, broken about? Well, that would be our sin. Blessed are they that mourn, for they shall be comforted. So let's think about David's sin with Bathsheba. When David finally came to terms about what was so terrible about his sin, he mourned. Come on, read Psalm 51. Absolutely so. He mourned over those things. David did some terrible things, no doubt, but none seemed to really move him. He did some terrible things. Come on. Bathsheba was defiled. Uriah, her husband, was murdered. There was confusion in the nation. It was a bad testimony uh, uh, to Israel's enemies. Uh, David and Bathsheba's baby died. But none of those were the worst thing about David's sin. None of those. In Psalm 51, in verse 1, the Bible says, Have mercy upon me. Oh God, this is, David's, this is David's prayer to God after his sin was revealed, after he realized how bad it was. He, he, he wrote this, prayed this, Have mercy upon me, O God, according to thy, love, to thy loving kindness, according unto the multitude of thy tender mercies. Blot out my transgressions. Wash me throughly from mine iniquity and cleanse me from my sin. For I acknowledge my transgressions and my sin is ever before me. Against thee, thee only, have I sinned and done this evil in thy sight, that thou mightest be justified when thou speakest and be clear when thou judgest. The worst thing about David's sin is that he had offended God. Come on, people. We can't lose sight of this. It's not about who finds out about your sin. It's not about the consequences that you have to pay if somebody finds out about your sin. The whole thing is that we have sinned and offended God. 
And when he finally came to the realization, he was contrite, he was crushed, he was broken, and he was repentant. Get this, he was repentant toward God. And we must keep in mind that when we sin, the worst thing is not the consequences of our sin, but the fact that we have sinned against a holy God. Remember, here we sit, right here, in front of this Bible, at the feet of Jesus, I mean disciples of him, we're being taught by Jesus Christ himself. And and we've determined that we want to be his followers, or we probably wouldn't be here on a Sunday night. And, and, And so we're sitting here allowing him to teach us a way that is completely opposite to the ways of the world. Completely opposite. Most of the world is just trying to get by with their sin to hide their sin, to cover up their sin, to rationalize their sin. But Jesus said that we'll be blessed if we mourn, that we'll be comforted. So there has to be godly sorrow and mourning for our sin, for our sin. For godly sorrow worketh repentance to salvation, not to be repented of, but the sorrow of the world worketh death. So it's not just going through the motions of going to the altar and saying a prayer. No, 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 no. No. There's more to it than just being sorry for the trouble that sin has gotten you into. There's more to it. And I don't think I would have anybody argue with me when I say that sin causes problems in our life. It causes problems in our life. Oh, absolutely. In our personal life, in our marriages, in our children's lives, it causes problems. Without a doubt. And many times, really, it can even turn life upside down. And more often than not, it leads to a load of guilt. We end up with this load of guilt. And uh, in my ministry, I've been to enough jails to know there are people that mourn over the problems that they've gotten themselves into. <laughs> they mourn over the problems. Brother Mike can testify that, being in prison a lot, being in jail a lot. But that kind of mourning helps nothing. No, they're mourning because they're in trouble. They're mourning because they got caught. They're mourning because they're in jail. They're mourning because of all the terrible things that happened. But that kind of mourning, it really helps nothing whatsoever. Only godly sorrow can bring this blessedness that Jesus is speaking to us about. We know this. We know that the church in Corinth was was, uh, full of sin. Yet there was no sorrow for what they were doing. They were just going on just day to day. Man, this, you know, this church thing's okay. And we can just keep on living our life the way that we always lived our life and go to church too. And so we know that the apostle Paul wrote to them according to 1 Corinthians chapter number 5. And he was trying to correct some things that were going on. And, and listen, listen to me please. And it made him sorry that he even had to write to them about it. No, it made him sorry that he, that, they even, that he even had to write to him about it. I mean, it's almost like, why are you people doing this? Don't you know that, man, life, can't you see what is going on? And upon receiving the letter that he wrote, they allowed it to speak to them. The church did about their sin issues and did something about it. So very thankful. Second Corinthians chapter 7, verse 7, they mourned. They mourned. 
verse 7, and not by his coming only, but by the consolation wherewith he was comforted in you when he told us your earnest desire, your mourning, your fervent mind toward me, so that I rejoiced the more, for though I, I made you sorry with the letter, I do not repent, though I did repent. I mean, it made him sorry that he had to write it, for I perceive that the same epistle hath made you sorry though it were but for, for a season. But they not only mourned. Come on, stay with me. I'm headed somewhere. I'm trying to get there. They not only mourned, but they repented. This is where I'm trying to get. They repented. Because it goes on, verse number 9. Now I rejoice, not that you were made sorry, but that you sorrowed to repentance. For you were made sorry after a godly manner, that you might receive damage by us in nothing. For godly sorrow worketh repentance to salvation, not to be repented of, but the sorrow of the world worketh death. So Paul was not excited just because they were grieving over their sin, but he was overjoyed because that godly sorrow had brought them to repentance. And that's where it should bring us to. No, no, when we realize that we have sin in our life, and we realize we have sinned against a holy God, it should not just make us sorry that we, that we got caught or, or, or the consequence of it. It should bring us to a place, godly sorrow should bring us to a place of repentance. That's more than just coming down and asking forgiveness. That's coming down with a heart that's crushed because we've sinned against God and asking God to correct us. Help me. Change me. Lord, I know this is wrong and I know I shouldn't be doing it. So I don't want to do it anymore. So you're going to have to help me. No, no. I repent of this and whatever I have to do. If I have to lay my smartphone on the altar or my computer on the altar. Or I need to just unhook my cable or whatever I need to do. I want to do it. I am sick of living this way. I am tired of fighting this same battle. I'm tired of coming to the altar over and over again about the same thing. It's time for me to truly repent of this thing and to do something different to go a different way. The sorrow, the sorrow of this world will let you grieve. Please get this. The sorrow of this world will let you grieve over what you have done and the consequences that you may be going through because of it and yet never deal with the sin. You have to deal with the sin. It must be dealt with. It's not good enough that you just confess it and go back to doing the same old thing. No, no, no. The sin must be dealt with. And, and godly sorrow brings us to a repentance toward God. What a difference. I mean, no, no, what a difference. No, no, I'm telling you, this could change our church completely. If when we decided we were going to do business with God, we would do whatever we have to do to repent of sin in our life. No, no, not just coming down and confessing it. No, but really doing something and going a different way. Repentance isn't a tough thing. It means that you're going one way and you make a decision and then you're going the other way. True repentance. <clears throat> yeah, yeah, okay, preacher, whatever. You seem to be just be going off on a tangent about this whole thing. You know, okay, that's great and all. You know, but, you know, that's fine. But, I mean, what can you tell me? When does the being blessed part come into this? You know, blessed are they that mourn. Okay, blessed are they that mourn over their sin. Fine, blessed are they that mourn. But when, when's, when's the blessed part come in that? Well, we're blessed when we're comforted by God. 
Blessed are they that mourn, for they shall be comforted. And that's the reason we're blessed. <clears throat> when we come to an altar broken because we have sinned against God and we do real business with Him, truly repenting of those things, being willing to follow Him, to get up off of our knees and to live a different way, at that point, I can guarantee you the load of guilt of sin is removed as we're forgiven by a holy, righteous God. But he will not comfort those that do not mourn over their sin. No, I'm saying you cannot continue to love your sin and love God supremely at the same time. It doesn't work. Well, I'm going to continue like this, but I love God. No, 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 no. It, it does not work. You can't continue just living that way that goes against everything the Bible teaches and love God supremely at the same time. It does not work. And we will never truly mourn as we should if we do not keep a clear vision of our high and holy God. He's high God. He is holy God. Isaiah saw him that way. High and lifted up. And when he saw God for who he is. He saw himself for who he was. And he, then, then, and he said, said. Woe is me for I am undone. For I am a man of unclean lips. And I dwell in the midst of a people of unclean lips. For mine eyes have seen the king. The Lord of hosts. And here's what I'm saying, the closer we get to God, the more it will cause us to mourn over our sin. Come on, the closer we get to God, the more we realize when we sin. The closer we are to God, the more that we hear that still small voice that's down in there that will tell us, uh-uh, you shouldn't have done that. Yep. Oh no, you shouldn't be doing that. Oh no, you shouldn't look at that, shouldn't listen to that, shouldn't go there, shouldn't say things like that. Oh no, you shouldn't be doing things like that. I'm telling you, it's very, 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 very real. If we allow ourselves to drift away from God, we lose a real biblical vision of God. I'll say it again. We lose the biblical vision of God, who God really is. And when that happens, we tend not to give sin a, a second thought much less mourn over it. And because of that, God cannot give us that true comfort that only comes from Him. And so we miss this blessedness that He says we can have. And you know, when, when that takes place, stay with me here, when that takes place, you start to wonder what's wrong with your Christianity. I mean, why aren't you being blessed like other Christians? Why aren't you happy about your Christianity anymore? Why does church bore you to tears? Why can't you read your Bible the way that you should? Why can you just go ahead and sin very openly and it doesn't bother you one bit? Why can't you seem to have the joy that others in church seem to have? Why does it aggravate you when other Christians do have joy that you don't have? No, there's a lot to be considered in this. And we lose this biblical vision of who God is, and it's like we can just do whatever we want to. We need to be close enough to God that when we do sin, we realize how sinful our sin truly is, listen to me, in His sight. 
in his sight. <clears throat> when we get this thing, no, 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 listen to me. When we get this mindset that um, we can sin as long as so-and-so doesn't see it, we can sin as long as my parents don't know about it, we can sin as long as we can keep it private, we've got a messed up mindset. Because it's not so much about sinning against someone else, it's about sinning against the holy God. He is the one we need to be concerned about. He is the one that sees everything, hears everything, knows everything. He is the one. Our sin is against Him. No, no, we may have to pay consequences if we sin against someone else. But ultimately, our sin is against Him. It's against Him. It's against Him. And He knows them all. He knows all of them. Proverbs 28, 13 says, He that covereth his sin shall not prosper, but whoso confesseth, listen to me, whoso confesseth and forsaketh them shall have mercy. Confesseth and forsaketh, that's repentance. That we would confess that, yes, I fall short. Yes, there's sin in my life. Yes, I want it to be different. Confessing and forsaking. Lord, correct me. Help me. Help me to walk a different way. Help me to do things different. Help me to get rid of things in my life that should not be there. Help me. We need to remember that it was our sin that Jesus bled and died for that day on the cross some 2,000 years ago. Well, preacher, man, I can't believe you're going off like this. Good grief. It's not like I'm some kind of a, you know, murder or anything. I, I mean, I know a lot of people, preacher. I know a lot of people whose sin are, is much worse than my sin. Look, listen to me. You'll never get to the point of mourning for your sin if you're always comparing yourself with others that are worse than yours. What are you saying? I'm saying it's time for you to focus on you and your walk with God. The theme for this year, it's time for new beginning. New beginning. I told those uh, young people that got saved at camp, you have a new beginning, new life. And I told others, if there's things in your life that need to be gotten out, need to be repented of, what you need to do is come and repent of those things and have a new beginning. And really, we have that chance even this evening. There's things in your life shouldn't be there. It's time to repent of those things. Not just confess them. Yes, you need to confess them. Ask God for help. Ask God to change you. But repent of those things. Repent. Jesus is teaching us to do things His way so that we might have that blessed life that He promises to His faithful followers. Trying to help us. So three things here. No, no, I'm done. This is the end. Remember that all sin is sin against God. That's a good thing to keep in our mind as Christians. All sin is sin against God. He is the one that we need to be repentant toward. Number two, God doesn't want our sacrifices. He doesn't want our sacrifices. Well, I'll just, I'll just I don't know, I'll read my Bible a little bit more. That's a good thing. You won't hurt that way. I'll put, some more, I'll put some more money in the offering plate. Okay. I'm not going to argue about that. 
But don't do that trying to get right with God. Because God doesn't want our sacrifices. You know what He wants? He wants our heart. No, no, He wants our heart. God, you saved my soul. I never have to go to hell because of what Jesus did on the cross. I give you my life. I give you my heart. Whatever you want me to do. You want me to start this? I'll start it. You want me to stop this? I'll stop it. I just want to be what you would have me to be. I want to live this blessed life. I want my family to be blessed. I, 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 want, I want everything around me to be blessed, God. I want what you have to offer. I, I am telling you, he wants us to be broken that we have sinned against him. He wants us to love him he wants us to love him to truly love him for all that he has done for for us and and number three when when your sin no longer bothers you please listen I'm, i'm i'm done right at it when your sin no longer bothers you you are much further from god than you might think Well, preacher, I think I'm doing okay. You're not if your sin doesn't bother you. You're just not. You're probably a lot further than God than you think. What we need to do is we need to let our, let our sin, our sin, break our heart. Whatever that sin may be. Feeling bad about your sin can work out to be good if you'll handle it the way that God wants you to handle it. We're three weeks weeks removed from camp. Remember those decisions you made? How's it going? Are there some things that have happened in these three weeks that need to be repented of? Maybe a spirit, an attitude, thought life, things you've looked at, things you've listened to, things you've said. Are there some things that need to be repented of? Man, I wish we could just stay on the mountain all the time. Uh, Me too, but that's not the way that God has it planned. We have to learn how to live down here in the nasty now and now and continue to walk with the Lord the way we're supposed to walk with the Lord. What we need to learn to do is be a good repenter. Blessed are they that mourn, for they shall be comforted. Let's make sure that we have a uh, proper view of our sin along with a proper view of our God because that will bring us to a place of a contrite spirit, brokenness, a place where we realize that we have sinned against a holy God, the God that saved our soul and wants to change our life. He wants to help us. Dear Heavenly Father, we thank you so much that you're always there for us. And we're thankful for the Holy Spirit that convicts us of sin in our life. We're thankful for your word that guides and directs us us whether or not we're where we need to be. 
And Father, now we just pray that you would help us, Lord, to have that brokenness about sin in our life. If we say we have no sin, we lie, is what uh, your word says. So help us, dear God, even tonight, to decide we want something different. We want it to be different. We want our lives to be different. We want a part of our life to be different. We're tired of um, hiding sin. Uh, We're tired of uh, living a deceptive life. We're tired of living a double life. Lord, we are going to determine to repent towards you. Lord, to ask you for the help that we need, that our life might be different, that we might uh, live more pleasing unto you. I don't know how you've spoken to hearts tonight. We just pray your perfect will would be done around the altar. We trust you for these things and ask them all. In the precious name of Jesus Christ, let's stand to our feet. Some have already come to the altar. Maybe you need to. If that's the case, don't wait. Don't hesitate. Don't leave. Let God have His way. Whatever He wants will definitely not go wrong. Maybe it's time to do some real repenting that you might be blessed. Whatever God wants, just let Him have His way.